Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 54 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello there, fans of college football and Husker fans across the world. That's right. So we are here uh, to do our uh, traditional college football throwdown podcast. We're a podcast that is uh, for college football fans by college football fans. We're going to be specifically talking about our favorite team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, um, briefly going over the game as well as um, our coaching situation, what's coming up next, and then moving on to the national conversation, uh, the games from last week, uh, the new rankings and the coaching carousel uh, that's been going in full force the past few days. So there's a lot on the topic for today. A lot. Yes, sir. All right. Um, but before we dive into all that, uh, we have the most important thing of all, your beverage. Yes, my beverage. Since since I neglected to do it uh, during last last week's podcast, here we go. Another cold beverage so that I can be talking Ooh. college football with my son. That was, a, that was a, a good cold beer. That was a good crack. That sounded good. <laughs> good. Good. All right. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about the Nebraska Iowa game. Um, we had our traditional predictions on the last podcast. Uh, I was uh, predicting an Iowa victory of thirty-two to twenty-seven. I thought that we would play them close but lose. And I believe this. You said that you agreed, um, but for the sake of um, being different optimistic you took the opposite said we were going to win 32 27 close victory um but then the final score ended up being 14 to 56 uh so brutal (laughs) and it was 14 to 14 at halftime and like you and i spoke uh previously after the game uh it very well could and should have been 14 to 7 or even 17 to 7 right right uh, uh, with us in the lead if uh we if we're right. not idiots right well right and the reasoning for that was the they we they had we had stopped them they punted it and we had mm-hmm. some stupid penalty that yep. gave them running a first into the down. kicker that's right that's yep. what it was and then that on that drive they ended up scoring so right there we yep. take away seven if we don't make that stupid mistake and then we had another one where I think we were we were in field goal range. No, we 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 went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the yep. field goal. We did the fake, right. and we didn't get it. That's what it right. was. So just changing those yep. two things, and then assuming that neither team scored for those last like five minutes of the second quarter, then it would have been seventeen seven at half. Maybe things would have been different in that scenario. But, Maybe. Yep. Yeah. But and you know, watch. I was watching the game. I watched it through three quarters, um, and then after that. Um, some friends were coming over and wanted to play video games, and I was like, "Yeah, I think this game's over." <laughs> um, and uh, we're, we just we're not going to do that in the future. With, uh, it's my hope. That's the hope. But the the first half, um, we were at least competitive. Um, you know, our defense was getting some stops, um, and like we said, you know, uh, with those two mistakes corrected, um, we would have been up by ten by the end of the half potentially. Um, so there were yep. signs of hope there. You know, Stanley Morgan was having a good game. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just it has, has been the uh, – well, earlier in the season, we were kind of like a second-half team where, like, we would make some good adjustments at halftime and, um, you know, play well in the second half. But in the second half of the year, it's been kind of the opposite. Like, the second half, we just spiral, it seems like. Yep. Well, then that was the thing is that the tackling was so atrocious and, and and just the effort level, you know, on the kickoff right after the half, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, you know, we didn't even give ourselves a chance. We basically handed the game over to them and then we just collapsed. And, and that's what I'm so, so sick of seeing. And what I want more than anything is for Nebraska to be a team that regardless of circumstance is a team that has the mental fortitude and toughness to play for 60 minutes full out, no matter what, and never stop trying. And right now, I would have to say that uh, going all the way back to the uh, Bill, you know, well, you know what? I would say Frank Solich was the last coach that had a Nebraska team that played hard no matter what the score. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think it ever happened under Bill Callahan. It, it, and, and 
maybe it happened a little bit or there were signs that it might happen uh, with um, with Bo. But I think that that was more um, um, a characteristic of his of his defense being a little bit ahead of the offenses until until offensive coordinators got a chance to see his defense a couple times. And then they they figured out that match read zone thing. And then then it became a joke. Right. Well, and uh, I was thinking with Bo, there definitely were games where, like, we were down, way, way down, and we managed to come back. You know, we had right. good come from behind victories. But then every season there would be at least one or two big blowout games where we would just look pathetic and give up. So you're right. right. You couldn't sustain that throughout a whole season, it seemed no. like. No, right. And and that, that used to be a, a hallmark of Nebraska's teams is they they just they were like they were machine like. And uh, so anyway, um, that's uh, getting off topic a little bit. But bottom line is, is that that's a good summary, though, of the Iowa game where basically it's another example of our team. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to those players again, they would say they were trying as hard as they could. But when you watch the film, you, you can't honestly make that assessment. You you look and you see the lack of effort. You see the flailing arms and the not squaring up the body and the uh, lack of hustle and the slow reading and just the hesitation, everything that they did. And it was a combination of effort, confidence, all that stuff combined, yeah. which made the result after the game fairly predictable. And you can go ahead and explain all that. Yeah. Well, and as, so as we've been talking about for quite some time and as was fairly predictable, um, on Sunday, uh, Mike Riley was fired as the head coach at the University of Nebraska, and Bill Moose held a press conference um, several hours afterwards, which I actually uh, got to w- watch live. Um, where and, he, and that was on Saturday, wasn't it? Was it Saturday? Yeah, it be, was Saturday, because we played the game on Friday. No, you're... So it was the, yes, you're right. You're right. Okay. It was Saturday. Um, Sorry, go on. No, no, that's fine. Um and, uh, you know, not too surprising. And it, it, uh, I was reading some things talking about how, uh, you know, Moose definitely seemed to handle it a lot better than uh, than uh, Eichhorst did the last time around, where apparently, like, he uh, texted the team to tell them that Bo had been fired or something like that. And, you know, whereas Moose sounds like he had, like, a, a talk with Mike Riley, you know, face-to-face, um, and, you know, then talk to yep. the team and talk to the assistants and all that stuff. Um, right. And his whole thing in the press conference um, where, to me, he definitely came off as professional and a guy who, uh, you know, had the air of what he knew what he was doing and he wasn't afraid to, like, be candid. You know, he talked about how he had about half a dozen people that he was looking into and that he was using search firms um, to reach out and that he had, you know, connections as well from his time as uh, athletic director at various schools and things of that nature. Right. Right. And, and which, you know what, he, he is a professional. He knows what he's doing. He knew exactly where he wanted to go. And I think he had already done his homework and he had already had the conversations that he needed to have, you know, in that vetting process that happens before you even fire a coach like that, you, you should have at least uh, some awareness. And like he said, he had six candidates that he believed had an interest in a job, but he had a clear pecking order of priority and what he wants to pursue. And, and, the, and the guy that's at the top of that list is not yet available uh, to have that conversation. So that's why we haven't heard anything now since Saturday. Right. Yes. He, he mentioned that a couple of times, like respecting coaches time, uh, the, the time of the coaches who still have games left. And of course the press was asking him about Scott Frost specifically. And he mentioned, yes, we have, um, reached out to frost or we've looked into frost um and all that yeah. stuff um and then just uh today i believe um it might have been yesterday i don't know but scott was interviewed and he mentioned that um he, he what was it i would feel uh hurt if nebraska wasn't interested in me or something to that effect right right given given his history with the program and it's his alma mater and as much success as he's having if Nebraska's opening came open and it, and it and it didn't include at least a conversation with Scott, then I think like, Scott's point is, of course, I would be dis- disappointed if that didn't happen. That that they didn't at least talk to me. Um, so I think that was an, an appropriate way to put that. Yep. And uh, there were rumors about um, 
uh, Florida being interested in Scott Frost and looking to meet with him this past weekend. Um, and apparently either that, uh, that I guess that didn't happen. Like uh, Scott wasn't interested at that point or something to that effect, at which point Florida went in a different direction, end up getting Dan Mullen. Um, that's just the thing I saw online, you know, so who knows if it's true. Um, but we've been seeing the coaching carousel go around with these other schools like Tennessee and Florida, Texas A&M and the like. Um, and so right. far, uh, not a peep about Frost from any of them. Um, which is making I think everybody think that uh, everyone in the in the coaching sphere knows that Frost is already a done deal for Nebraska. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, yeah, but I think it's 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 important to note because I know in in past coaching searches, you know, Nebraska has gotten uh, um, uh, criticized whether it be uh, this last time with the hiring of Mike Riley, where it was kind of out of left field. Uh, but he was clearly a guy that that um, uh, Sean Sean Eichhorst had had his eye on and really had great respect for. And so it, it happened very quickly from Eichhorst's standpoint. It was clearly very high on Eichhorst's list, but he wasn't even on the radar of most conversational lists, right, of the hot upcoming coaches. And you think about some of the coaches that, that during that time. Uh, similarly, when, when, when Bo was uh, hired, uh, Bo was, uh, was the hot, uh, assistant coach, right? He was the hot coordinator and he was clearly going to get a head coaching job somewhere, but to move from defensive coordinator at LSU to a, a, a blue blood power program like Nebraska was a huge jump. And everyone thought that they had had a great chance for success because Tom Osborne was, was back at AD. And if Bo was smart enough to listen to Tom's advice, that Bo might grow into becoming a great head coach with Tom's tutelage didn't work out that way, but that was the vision or the idea. Uh, but even at that time, there were a number of, 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 of uh, experienced head coaches who might very well have been interested and available for Nebraska at that point in time. And they didn't take it. In fact, recently uh, uh, the coach at TCU Patterson, uh, Gary Patterson, he uh, indicated that he did get interviewed uh, when Bo was getting hired, and but he sensed that the decision had already been made by Tom, that he was going to go with Bo even, and so the the interview with Gary was kind of cursory, it was kind of you know a complimentary type of thing, uh, but wasn't very legit right. uh, uh, as far as the opportunity. You know, they were he was clearly the backup if Bo said no or something fell through. Right, and so. That tells you a little bit about those past co- coaching searches. Now, this one, uh, I think we've got a, a situation where w- we have our, our top guy, the guy we want, um, and, uh, and we're going to go after it. But now Florida, as an example, you know, they, uh, they, they ended up settling on their third or fourth choice. <clears throat> you know, right. because, because the other people didn't didn't want to take the job. Right, because Chip Kelly went to UCLA, as many people right. were speculating. And, and Scott Frost passed. Uh, when they approached him, uh, he was clearly, you know, the next guy in line. And and then I don't know. Uh, and then maybe Mullen was the third choice. Uh, but that doesn't mean that's a bad choice. In fact, I I think it's a great choice. And I, I would have been very happy if if they had gotten Scott Frost and we had gotten Dan Mullen. I, I think the world of Dan Mullen and I think he's going to do very, very well at Florida. Um, and uh, I would have been completely happy with him at Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, last time we went through this after Bo was fired, you know, Scott Frost's name was being pandied about even then uh, as an uh, up and you know a well well respected offensive coordinator at Oregon. Um, but at the right. time, I remember us talking about you know going. He wasn't compl- ready. Right. Going completely from that and not never having any head coaching experience of being so young. You know. That would have been uh, kind of a gamble, um, and now it, you know, it almost feels like you know we're we're coming back, we're coming back. He he's coming back home, or we're coming back to him, or whatever. You know, it's like these three years yeah. were uh, a good time to like for him to prove himself, and now we're coming back to him yep. or something like that. Right? No, no. Well, the timing is better. He's still a very young coach. He's still a very young head coach, and 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 by no means is it like a. Uh, you know, this is not Jim Harbaugh being hired at Michigan, okay, where Jim had already uh, coached a Super Bowl, right, uh, and had coached uh, Stanford out of the doldrums into greatness um, in his previous stops. 
this is this is a Scott Frost who's coached at at a group of five level for two years. Okay, he's done well. Don't get me wrong, but he is by no means a proven commodity in that regard. Although I, I can simply look at his lineage and his background and the assistant coaches or the head coaches that he was an assistant under, as well as his own playing career, and you and you hope that he has the the sphere of contact and influence that will help him and guide him uh, as he grows into the coaching job. He's got a lot to learn uh, yep. to before he's going to be a great head coach at Nebraska. Yep. And, of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm I'm confident. We, we were talking just before we started our podcast uh, about percentages. And what was the percentage that you – you were you felt like you were what 70 70 percent confident and i and i feel like it's at about 90 percent confidence that our top guy is scott and that we are going to find out and finalize basically after this coming weekend's game is is completed yep. and then they'll be able to have some conversation yep I, I definitely agree with that i think it's coming up after this weekend for sure um win or lose too by the way is, is oh, the way oh I yeah look at oh that. yeah that doesn't matter uh in our in our topic, although it'll look even better, obviously, if he wins, he's undefeated. Um, now, uh, my last talk about the uh, head coaching at Nebraska, if it's not Scott Frost, who's it going to be? Wow. Um, yeah. Well, and and see, how, I, how I badly will fans react if that's the case? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have I, I, I felt a lot better if it was uh, uh, Dan Mullen. Um, but, uh, it's not, um, um, so, you know, I, I, I tell you, I think it might be the, uh, Campbell from Iowa state would certainly get maybe be on well, that list. Actually, uh, so and, sorry, but just to mention that, cause I saw a headline about that cause I saw his name being bandied around. Um, I believe he just like signed some contract extension for, you know, so many more mm-hmm. million dollars or something like that. With Iowa gotcha State. at Iowa State, yep. and then I, I would say uh, Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech, and uh, and uh, his his uh, um, underling um, who's now at, at Navy, uh, uh, the uh, the Navy coach uh, Nia Paula. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I apologize. I'm, I would butcher it, but the the Navy coach also would be a guy that we would look at, um, and. Uh, and I think there's a few others there that are on his list, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't be bad choices. Wouldn't be bad choices. But Dan Mullen, I believe, was probably one of his six that he was talking about during his press conference. I believe because that, that, that had, had not finalized with Florida yet. And so I think Mullen was probably one of the six that Bill Moose had. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um uh, this is off topic, but just since you brought Navy, did you happen to see their uniforms for the Navy Army game? Yes, the Blue very Angels cool. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought those looked cool. I did too. Yes. I, I think, I think those will be popular. We, we have a special connection with the Blue Angels because they come to perform at the Cherry Festival in Traverse City every other year. Um, so we have both seen them plenty of times throughout that our is lives. True. All yep. right. Um, so. Uh, I guess since we referenced it, why don't we talk a little bit about the coaching carousel at large. Um, Chip Kelly going to UCLA was the first big one. And then um, Texas A&M firing uh, Kevin Sumlin, which was kind of expected. Uh, Arizona State fires um, Graham, their coach. Yeah, Uh, Todd Graham. Right. Dan Mullen gets hired by Florida. Right. Now, uh, Graham has already been replaced uh, at at uh, Arizona State by somebody who was oh Herm Edwards great hire for them great hire Herm Edwards is going to do very well there Herm Edwards is an NFL coach um, um, of of some note um, has been in the booth uh, and in the studio uh, as an analyst for a number of years but has decided to jump back into the coaching circles and I think he's going to do a great job a great job for them uh, at Arizona State I'm kind of Disappointed I hadn't put him on our radar uh, for Nebraska. He certainly would have been a guy I would have been excited about if he'd come to Nebraska. Yep. Um, and then uh, I just saw today uh, the Penn State offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, yep. is uh, replacing Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Right. Yes. And and that's, a, that's an interesting hire. 
Um, but uh, but I think a good one if you think about what Penn State's been able to do offensively the last couple of years. Yep. And uh, the the elephant in the room we haven't mentioned yet is Tennessee, uh, who fired Bush Jones as uh, predicted. Um, and then on uh, Sunday, it was being reported uh, by ESPN and the like that they were in talks to finalize a, a contract with uh, Greg Schiano um, from uh, Ohio State. Right, the uh, defensive coordinator uh, at Ohio State. Right, but keep in mind, Greg Schiano was the guy that had re- resurrected the Rutgers program uh, to the to the level of, of winning, uh, you know, uh, pretty significant bowl games and and really had done a great job, and then become an NFL coach and was a head coach in the NFL for a short time. Didn't do so well at the NFL level, but and then uh, was out of coaching maybe for a year or whatever, and then went right back into it with Ohio State and uh, did great things there. So, so Shiano is a very um, uh, well-respected coach, and, uh, and I, but ironically, uh, and I think stupidly, Tennessee uh, jumped to uh, the conclusion that that Greg Shiano was somehow um, um, implicated in the Sandusky sex scandal at Penn State, um, uh, pedophilia scandal, and that he knew and didn't do anything and this, that, and the other thing because he happened to be on the staff at that time. And uh, and I think this, uh, you know, individual uh, persecution of these coaches who, who have some kind of a connection to that program at that time and stuff, like this was all being covered up by everybody is, is in my opinion, a bunch of crap. Right. Well, I believe, um, so I was reading into it a little bit because uh, I saw like there were, you know, people were protesting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the people and the politicians were like tweeting about oh, not supporting it and all that stuff. Um, right. And uh, this article I was reading was saying that there was a guy on the Penn State staff, I think a lower assistant, who had come forward in court to say like, oh, all these people knew, you know, lots of people on the staff knew and covered it up and all that stuff. And right. that was all investigated at the time that the Sandusky thing was big um, mm-hmm. and nothing was uh, shown about uh, Shiano. You know. Like confirmed. Right. 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 No, 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 no. Uh, accusations against him or or uh, right. evidence you know so all of this stuff that's going on right now is uh you know just all hearsay right right all all uh, rumor no i no agree fact. i agree and and to destroy that guy's coaching opportunities because now he is you know he is hot foam man he's he's not going to get touched by anybody you right. know i mean other than to keep his job at ohio state and even then now that the Ohio State people are aware of supposedly this connection, is there going to be some outcry at Ohio State? I mean, he's now on uh, on thin ice there. I mean, if if anything happens, let let's say Wisconsin was to slice and dice them up and score, you know, a bunch of points like Iowa did, I guarantee you Greg Schiano might very well be getting replaced at the end of this year anyway uh, by uh, Urban Meyer, uh, simply for unsatisfactory performance, but also to to avoid having to deal with the repercussions or potential repercussions of this whole, you know, well, well, um, there, tie to Penn State. There's a possibility of that, but then also I think, uh, you know, the, right now, once again, just listening to the radio, now there's a counter blowback uh, because uh, Tennessee uh, did uh, the the pressure got to them, so to say, and from what right. we hear, um, they were. Going there was to a have letter a, of intent already right, written. Right, they had signed something. There was, a, you know, he might even be going after them for like money for backing out so last minute and all this stuff. Um, right, and now uh, they're spinning their wheels trying to get a new coach, and people mm-hmm. are not biting. And there's a lot of right. blowback on them on the athletic director for um, being so reactionary uh, to the the outcry. And right. it doesn't look great for their program as in terms of their dedication to their coach. Right. And now they've asked to speak with Brom, who's the new coach at Purdue, who's just been at the Purdue program for one year and now has the uh, is going to be presented with the opportunity. Now, now you're, you'd be crazy if you're the head coach at Purdue, which is a fairly moribund program. Uh, and someone is now knocking on your door to say, hey, I want to offer you you know, five to seven million dollars a year to coach at the University of Tennessee, one of the preeminent, 
you know, SEC programs historically uh, and uh, especially in recent history and with incredible facilities and, and everything. I mean, you'd be crazy if you're Jeff Brom and you don't you don't put serious consideration into that, even though you know, maybe the AD hasn't handled this whole well, thing in, in the most PR sensitive way. Right. Well, Jeff Brom, he's the head coach at Penn State, you're mm-hmm. saying? I thought James... No, at per- Purdue. Oh, Purdue. Purdue. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, I thought that was James Franklin at Penn State. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. At Purdue. But he's only been there a year, and he's, and he's really building something. So the question is, does he want to stick it out and try to build right. something at Purdue, where, frankly, he's probably got a little bit more job security? Because, again, if he goes to Tennessee, he might get paid that big money, but it's only going to last about three years uh, uh, unless he's successful. Right. And he's going to have to recruit well, uh, and he has to play Alabama and Florida and Georgia most years. Right. He's in so the he, toughest he, division yeah, in right, college football. Right. So he's <laughs> he's 9-3 and three at best every year starting out. Right. You know, and, until he really builds. And apparently Tennessee was uh, putting an offer out to Mike Gundy today from Oklahoma State. Um, and yes. Gundy uh, turned them down, uh, which right. personally doesn't surprise me because I figure Oklahoma State must be, you know, he's got a, a pretty nice gig there as well, although Tennessee could yeah. probably offer him more money. Well, Tennessee could probably offer him more money, uh, and, and you know, there have been times when when he's been on shaky ground at, at, at uh, Oklahoma State, not because of his performance on the field, but because he's gotten into a few public spats with their major donor T Boone Pickens, who's who's their version of uh, Phil Knight and Nike and Oregon relationship. Uh, T Boone Pickens has given the university, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, and and so and T Boone and and uh, uh, Gundy have not seen eye to eye very often right and last question with the coaching carousel talk um i've also seen people talking about jimbo fisher at florida state they had a disappointing season this year right. um right. but personally i just think it's kind of that would be was, stupid right you mean for texas a&m right right i think that that's the rumor is jimbo yeah, going to texas I, I can't A&M. believe that no but, way but yeah and given the fact that i know florida state fans are disappointed with this season but just like three or four years ago, you guys won a national championship. Like exactly. I don't, I don't exactly. see how they can throw them out. That, no, that they're, they're not. No, J- Jimbo's Jimbo's. Not. I, I think it would be foolish if Jimbo Fisher seriously considered the A&M job. That would be a huge mistake. Right. Yep. I agree. All right. And he knows it. Yep. So now we're going to move on to uh, week 13 of college football. The last uh, week of the regular season for most teams. Um, there were a lot of big games, um, and we had uh, some, you know, um, of our, what do you want to say, our, our, our simple predictions uh, for some of the big games, um, specifically the Ohio State-Michigan game and then the Alabama-Auburn game. Uh, you okay. said that you thought Alabama-Auburn was going to be a blowout with Alabama winning, and you thought the Ohio State-Michigan game was going to be close with Ohio State winning, whereas I said the opposite, that Ohio State uh, Michigan would be a blowout, and that Alabama Auburn would be close. Um, so I think so we I, were both right uh, on one and and uh, wrong on the other. Yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> and even the the OSU uh, Michigan right that game. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a blowout. Um, no, but no. OSU definitely had control in the second half. I agree. And given they they did that without their quarterback was pretty impressive. Right, right. Well, yeah, he the the backup came in and played great. Played well, yeah. Um, and and simultaneously, uh, Michigan had o- O'Corn in there, um, and he mm. was not, um, you know, performing no. as good as he could be for sure. Right. Um, and then uh, the Auburn Alabama game. I was texting you as I was watching it because it looked like Alabama was about to come back. You know, like there was some mistake oh, yeah. like that they Auburn often made, do. Yeah. right? Or they'd gotten a lucky penalty, and it looked like, oh, here it happens again. Um, but this time, no. Uh, Alabama made some um, uh, uh, uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, having yep. uh, messed up snaps and things of that nature. It was quite surprising to see. Um, and Auburn managed to pull it out. I agree. I agree. And and what what's irritating to me is is that 
you know, uh, the, the, everybody acknowledged all year that Alabama's schedule was surprisingly not very challenging, especially given who Alabama is. Uh, and so they would struggle if they lost any games because of it. And yet here we are because it, because they, they lost to a good team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, clearly, you know, uh, right now, Auburn is number two in the country in the current uh, college football playoff rankings. So um, they lost to a good team and they were playing them at Auburn. So, so I, I get all of those circumstances, but it still frustrates me that here at the end of the year, when other people would have been moved beyond the ability to come back into the mix, they hardly slide out of the top four, even though they lose. And this is the thing that starts to bother me to where this is proof in the pudding, so to speak, that uh, in this playoff era now, even with just four teams, not all games matter because Auburn just beat Alabama and Auburn's going to have to beat Alabama again. Um, uh, even though they're not in other divisions, this isn't because of an SEC West, SEC East thing. This is because they're going to end up having to face each other in the playoffs again because Alabama's going to get in there because they're ranked five now and somebody, uh, most likely Wisconsin, and maybe to a lesser extent uh, Oklahoma, are capable of getting beat. I, I think Clemson... Miami, I think Clemson wins that game, and I think that um, um, uh, what, what's the other game? Uh, and I believe Auburn, Auburn, Georgia. You know, uh, I, I think it's irrelevant. Whichever one of those teams wins that game is in. Uh, so that, that's that's not even important. But uh, but the ones that would influence who else is going to get in? Because you've got Wisconsin at four, Alabama at five, and Georgia at six. So the Georgia-Auburn uh, uh, thing is a playoff, and the Clemson-Miami is, is an absolute playoff. And the winner is in, the, the, the loser is out, done, clean. Uh, so the, the two that are significant to influence the Alabama involvement will be uh, TCU-Oklahoma and Ohio State-Wisconsin. And we need to root heavily for Wisconsin and Oklahoma to win, because if those two win, then Alabama's out. And that's what I want. I really, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I really hope for the betterment of college football that Alabama, Alabama's been in the playoff every year since this playoff system started. And even in a year when they d didn't really deserve to be in there. And so they need, uh, the, this pl college football playoff needs Alabama not to be in there. And, and I don't want them to have to put Ohio State in there as an alternative because Ohio State's the same way. They've been in practically every year, including last year when they shouldn't have been. And so it just it, it, it just reduces credibility of that committee and this process when these same teams keep getting in year after year after year. They're big, almost a built-in bias starts to accumulate, right? Right. And that's my fear. And you're going to regionalize the sport. And you're going you're gonna to cause a bunch of people to lose interest in the sport because they're going to realize my team has no chance of ever getting in. And, and it's a little frustrating to me to see a team like UCF, which in the bowl championship series era would have definitely been higher in 14th with an undefeated 11-0 season at this point. And if they were to win their conference championship game and go 12-0, they would have been strongly in a position to uh, be right in that mix. But um, uh, but because in this era, uh, you know, there's all this jockeying that goes on. Uh, all of a sudden, a, a loss by Auburn at the end of the year, which historically in college football would have meant your chances for the national championship are gone. Uh, they're not anymore. That game didn't matter. Alabama could afford to lose it, and they're still going to get in. And that's the end result that frustrates me. Mm -hmm. Yep, well... It's true, and uh, well, and I guess let's we can talk a bit about the playoff rankings now. Because um, personally, uh, I had seen the AP rankings previously, which they had Clemson one, Oklahoma two, Wisconsin three, Auburn four, Bama five, um, and I thought personally that that was a proper ranking. That's one I could agree with. Um, so to see Auburn jump from four to two over both Oklahoma and Wisconsin, even though they only have two losses. Um, is frankly crazy to me personally. I know that they lost to Clemson in a close game and to LSU in a close game, um, but still, the idea that and, 
two and they beat, but they beat Georgia and they beat Alabama. So they basically beat the number five and number six teams in the country, uh, uh, both when they were ranked number one. Right. So within the college football playoff scenario, the team that, that that committee thought was the best team in the country at that point, based on the information to that point in the season that they had designated for number one, uh, Auburn has beaten them twice in three weeks. That's yep. Yep. That checks off a lot of boxes. True. That's why Auburn moved up the way they did. True. And I could see them being ranked over Wisconsin, but I think Oklahoma um, maybe has the thing over them. And there's also the whole recency bias thing. Like Auburn clearly right. was struggling a bit more earlier in the season right. um, with some of those losses, but now they're coming to their own here at the end. Right. Um, and, and, that, and that has the feeling of, of uh, college basketball. And again, those are the kinds of things that it makes sense. You can make the logical argument. Of course you want the teams that are healthy and are playing at their best at their peak at the end of the year. Those are the, those are quote, quote, the best teams at this time in the country, but college football historically for a hundred plus years was not that way. College football was a hundred, hundred plus years is is, uh, overstating it for a long time. Uh, you know, college football's tradition had always been that, hey, the whole season matters. Every game is critical. Every game is important. And it, it just frustrates me when I start to see these things play out and it's starting to become a pattern where teams are getting in that, frankly, there needs to, uh, there needs to be an elevated importance to being a conference champion. Yep. That's no. my opinion. Well, and they they say that they rank being a conference champion very highly. So we'll see. You yeah, know, we'll if, see. if if one of those teams loses that we discussed, um, and loses in close fashion too, uh, then we'll or or wins in big fashion. I guess would be the way to look at it. There's right. an upset. Um, well, oh, 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 see, like Ohio State is the favorite. Well, right in the Wisconsin Ohio, Ohio State game, even though Wisconsin's undefeated. Uh, Ohio State's the favorite, but Ohio State would need to make a statement like they did a few years ago where they kicked Wisconsin's ass in the conference championship game, won the conference championship even though they had some losses, but then still snuck into the playoff and ended up winning the thing. Right. Uh, you know, so so um, uh, yeah, there's a slippery slope there. Yep. It bothers me. All right. So going back to this previous week uh, in terms of the big rivalry games, uh, we mentioned uh, Auburn-Bama. You know, Auburn won 26-14. Ohio State beat Michigan 31-20. Um, the, we had another rivalry game, Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Ole Miss actually won 31-28, even though they were the lesser or the, what do you want to say, the not the favorite. The underdog. Right. There we go. And um, Florida State, Florida. I think Florida State won that one. Oh, did they? Yeah, I guess they yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, Washington beat Washington State 41-14. Badly, um, yeah. Stanford beat Notre Dame 38-20. That was surprising yeah, that to me. Was a, and that was a big game, yep. And that that's going to be interesting, too, with uh, Stanford and USC. What do you do? USC gets back in the mix here, too, if uh, if uh, if they beat Stanford. Yep, yep. And certain certain things fall, or certain chips fall the yeah. way they, they may. And real quick, why don't you talk a bit about uh, UCF versus USF, Central yeah. Florida, South Florida, so, 49-42. Uh, I saw the recap of the game, and it looked like it was quite a classic back and forth. It, it really was. I mean, uh, actually, it seemed like, um, you know, uh, uh, early on, uh, you know, South Florida was kind of taking it to UCF, but then um, UCF, um, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm going to reverse that. UCF was, was in the lead, but then South Florida came back and got within a point, and it looked like they had kind of taken the momentum of the game and they were the better performing team, but then UCF just kind of hung in there and kept kept making plays. And as the as the game went, went on, there were a lot of individual uh, defensive plays that were made by UCF's defense to kind of hang around while UCF was struggling to figure it out offensively. But then UCF kind of started clicking offensively later in the game and scored and, and got to where it looked like they were going to have a comfortable lead. But then craziness started happening in terms of kickoff returns and uh, that, that, that came uh, into play and you know, just big, huge plays a blown coverage, you know, um, that, that kind of made it a back and forth thing and very nervous. And I hope that, um, maybe Scott, uh, Frost, the coach at UCF might've, uh, have something to, 
to discuss and, and think back in his own mind about, about the fact that he could have, he was in a situation where all he needed to do was run clock, but instead he remained aggressive and threw the ball and scored and scored too quickly. And then, uh, and then the other team took the kickoff and, and scored a touchdown on the kickoff return um, and got right back in it. Uh, when if he had just ran the ball instead of throwing it, uh, he could have run clock off and it wouldn't have mattered because right. he had a two right. he had a two score lead right but but it was UCF that got the kickoff return for a touchdown at the very end that won the game true okay that's true and uh, so I, I'm I'm try I'm I might be getting things confused as far as the sequence but bottom line is is that uh, UCF uh, boy uh, UCF kicked the ball off um, after scoring and then immediately the other team scored again. Right, and maybe that was the blown, blown coverage that I'm thinking of. Right, but there was a big play, and boom, they scored very quickly. Yes, and and we're right back in it, and uh, and so then and then you're right. Then then uh, UCF took it back for a score and got back to the two touchdown lead, and and then they were able to kind of manage the clock off of that. But it, it gets back to even Scott, I think, in that situation, in my opinion should have been less aggressive with the passing game and been more satisfied to simply secure, even if he wants to throw the football, low-risk passes within the scheme of his offense and get first downs. Just get first downs and control the ball and control the clock. Uh, but instead, you know, he threw it deeper and scored a touchdown quickly and, and then gave the other team sufficient time to come back and make it interesting. And I don't know why you would do that. Yep. And uh, as we've talked about before, um, my if we do hire Scott Frost in Nebraska, I'm going to be very interested to see who he hires as his defensive coordinator, because um, that seems to be a theme uh, so far of the of his team is that um, defensively they haven't always been the best, but their offense right. is just so good that it doesn't matter kind of in the Oregon right. philosophy. Right. And you're absolutely right. I'm I'm hopeful that that he would be able to, um, you know, formulate a staff that was pretty damn good. I think he'll probably bring quite a few of those guys with him. He really has expressed great fondness for the staff that he has. So I think a lot of those guys are going to end up going with him. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be getting lots of advice on that if and when that time comes. Yep. And last thing I did, one of the highlights was there was a great uh, uh, option. Uh, that scored yes. a, a touchdown by UCF where their quarterback kept it until he was getting hit and he managed to shuttle it over to the running back to score. I was like, yep. all right, I like that. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and that's what I like about his offense is that, that he, he it does have great diversity. It is a very hard offense to defend. But the thing is, is that if you have great athletes and you can shut down those wide receivers and just lock them up, then the, all those little side passes that he does – that set, sets everything up. It's almost like the fullback dive in the old option offense. Um, you, you know, you just, you, you got nothing then. Right. Because you, you, and so you need that other element of power football. And I'm curious to see if Scott recognizes that, uh, you know, to play in the Big Ten and with the big boys, he's going to have to have some of that. And if he can figure out how to do that, then God love him because he'll, he'll be greatly successful. If he doesn't, I think he might be another failed experiment. So we'll see. Yep. And then last game to talk about is, of course, uh, number two also got upset. Uh, Miami yes. 14, Pittsburgh 24. Did think anybody saw that one coming? No. And that was on Friday, wasn't it? Was Or was that Saturday morning? No, it was, uh, it, it was Friday. You're right. It was on Friday, yep. And, uh, yeah, that was one that I would not have expected it. Now, there's a guy that I would, wouldn't mind seeing come our way, Pat Narduzzi, the, the head coach at Pittsburgh. I would love that guy um, uh, because I, I, love his, I love his defensive mentality. Um, you know, he's from the tree of, uh, uh, of uh, Michigan State's coach, um, um, whose name is escaping me right at the moment. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Um, oh, uh, uh, Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio, thank you. He's yeah, and and just outstanding discipline, you know, fundamentals coach. And that's what I want more than anything right now is I want a coach who's going to teach fundamentals, and we need that on defense particularly. 
And so, who, like you said, I think one of the most critical hires that Scott Frost is going to have to have is his defensive corner. I mean, offensively, clearly he's going to have his hands on the wheel a lot and influence that a lot. Uh, he, he'll have somebody named offensive coordinator, but obviously Scott's going to be um, driving the thing a lot. Uh, defensively, that's a whole different story. And so it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Scott does with the defensive coordinator role. Yep. Okay. And so last thing, uh, we're going to do our predictions. Um, we've got the five championship games. So I was thinking uh, we don't have to give like specific scores for each one, but just say who you think is going to win and if it's going to be uh, close or a, more of a blowout. Um, we'll okay. say that a blowout is anything 14 points or more is a blowout. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we'll go with that. Uh, so I'll go ahead and start us off. Um, okay. I believe that Georgia is going to beat Auburn um, in part because their uh, star running back got hurt in the Alabama game. I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to be back. Um, is uh, JT Barrett, is, do we know what his status is? I, you know, I don't. And that's why I was just thinking that when you said you wanted to do these, because I, I really don't know. Uh, and I think that influences a little bit, although that other kid played so well, I don't know that it will necessarily be a huge deal, but, but, um, but yeah. Okay. I, I'm not sure. Okay. So I'm going to say Georgia close. I'm going to say Clemson beats Miami close. I'm going to say that Oklahoma beats TCU in more of a blowout, um, considering that they beat them earlier in the year. Um, although, and not too long ago, it was just like three weeks ago. Although I know that sometimes that that fact that you won the first time sometimes that can help the team that lost previously right. more. Right. So that's mm-hmm. something to consider. Um, Stanford USC, I don't know super well, but I'm going to say Stanford just close, just because they just beat Notre Dame in such strong fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say Wisconsin close, uh, especially if JT Barrett. Uh, isn't playing um but also just because i really want them to win uh right i i, I want to see wisconsin be undefeated and get in um and not you know fall well, alabama here right at yeah. the end yeah yeah so that's that's what I i'm agree. gonna say i agree uh uh i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be right with you on the wisconsin ohio state game i'm gonna predict the wisconsin victory because that's what i want to see happen not necessarily i'm i'm going with my heart rather than my mind because i i I think ohio state's the better team maybe by a significant amount but i think that wisconsin's a team that's playing with great confidence right now Mm -hmm. um and so it'll be interesting to see what happens and i forgot to mention this uh a against i mean michigan was beating wisconsin you know they're playing better or rather ohio state um in the in the game um they i mean they were up 14-0 at the start you know they have control right. so ohio state has shown some holes as well as the fact that wisconsin know has known that ohio state is going to be their wall at the end of the year for a while now and you better believe right. i think that their players and their coaches are going to be bringing their a game um, right that's, I think, uh, and that's that's what i think as well it's just that uh, when when Ohio State takes away your number one option, which is running the football, uh, is Hornybrook going to be able to do what is required, you know, for them? And I, I'm going to I'm going to say uh, my heart says yes. Um, and particularly if if uh, that defense that Wisconsin has gets to uh, attack a first time starter at quarterback in a setting like that, because you know the Wisconsin fans are going to travel just as good as a Ohio State, that's going to be a 50-50 crowd or maybe even a little bit of a Wisconsin lean because this has just been there, done that for Ohio State at this point, and everybody's going to be like, well, we'll wait and go to the first playoff game uh, type of deal, whereas Wisconsin won't won't feel that way at all. They'll be all in on this game. So anyway, that's that one. Wisconsin and I I agree with you there. Oklahoma, TCU, I actually agree with you on that one as well. Now, on uh, Auburn, uh, Georgia, yeah, that's a good point you make about Auburn's running back. Boy, I, 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 I do you know for a fact that that guy's out? No. Uh, once again, listening to the radio this morning, it, there's been con- contradictory reports. Um, okay. So I don't think well, we know I yet. Think, I think I'm, I'm going to assume that the guy plays, and, I, and I'm going to say Auburn wins because of their quarterback. 
Uh, so um, you're saying uh, close or blowout? No, close. Close. Uh, Auburn wins an, a close game. Um, um, and then uh, Clemson-Miami. Uh, boy, I'm going to take Clemson. And I think there's a chance that could be a blowout. It'll be interesting to see what Miami does now that they, uh, you know, the, the chink is off the armor. Are they going to rise up and be tough guys or are they going to kind of uh, lay an egg? And, and they're, they're kind of new to this at this point with the new coaching uh, 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 regime they have there. So I'm going to say that in this case, Clemson shows the maturity of being a defending national champion and, and plays really well and wins. All right. And then USC Stanford. And USC Stanford. I'm going to also agree with you on that. I think Stanford's the better team. Stanford wins. Okay, so just to go over it, you're saying Stanford close, Wisconsin close, Oklahoma blowout, Auburn mm-hmm. close, Clemson mm-hmm. blowout. Yep. All right, very good. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see how we do. Um, I'm That's looking right. forward to uh, – I was actually planning on an event on Saturday, um, but then realized, oh, this is championship weekend, and so I rescheduled it because uh, <laughs> I, there's wise. a lot of games I want to watch. Yes, you're wise. And a few of them are at night, but some of them are during the day too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially for me on the Pacific Coast. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, the, I know the the Ohio State Wisconsin game and the Miami Clemson game both start at five my time, um, so I'll be able to watch those two at the same time, which are the two I'm right. most interested in watching. So, right. Yep. Um, that'll be yep. interesting. All right. Uh, so All right. Uh, I think this is a good podcast. We covered a lot of ground. And hopefully um, by the time we're talking to you guys uh, next week, we'll be talking about who the, the next head coach at Nebraska is, crossing our fingers there, as yep. well as um, what the – because the, the top four will be announced on Sunday. Um, so right. we'll be able to know who's in, who's out, and all that fun stuff. And then we'll get into the bowl speculation and all that other uh, – Yep. Postseason fun stuff. That sounds awesome. All right. All right, Alex. Yep. Uh, so if you all out there enjoyed listening to us, you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can leave ratings and reviews there. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast, where we can improve, all that sort of stuff. And so thank you for staying up late with me to do this uh, podcast ad. And All right. Until next week, go big red. Go big red. <laughs> <laughs>